welcome to the first ever Trinity College Dublin Talks podcast. I'm Tom Malloy and my guest today is Daryl Jones, who is Professor of English here at Trinity. We're here to talk about Daryl's most recent book about the horror genre, called appropriately enough, Sleeping with the Lights On. I hope to understand what makes horror such a fascinating genre to somebody who also loves Jane Austen and the traditional canon. Perhaps uh, pick up a few tips on what books and films a newcomer to the genre should look at. Welcome to the podcast, Daryl. Thank you very much. Well, to set the scene, we're here in Daryl's very modern office, which is one of the most beautiful rooms in Trinity. The large windows look onto an inner courtyard of trees, and the room usually exudes a zen-like calm. Today, however, it is currently full of boxes as Daryl prepares to end his five-year tenure as Dean of the Faculty of Arts and Humanities and Social Sciences. On the table in front of us is a collection of ink bottles. In the bookcases are the novels of Stephen King and dozens of other horror writers whose names I don't recognise, while in the far corner on a hat stand is one of Daryl's trademark fedora hats. Daryl was born and raised in the Rhondda Valley in South Wales, as you'll probably hear when he speaks a bit, a bit longer. He grew up in the 1970s, which he says was a proprietor's time for anyone interested in horror, watching great and scary television. Like me, he watched Doctor Who, but unlike me, he went on to develop a great fascination with the horror genre. You've said, Daryl, that you always wanted to write, and that, that you knew from a very early age that, that being involved with English was somehow uh, going to be part of your life. Did you also know from an early age that, that horror was a particular interest, that this was something that uh, would be important, or was that just one interest among many of the young, the young Daryl Jones? Um, intuitively, I, I think I knew. It took me a long time uh, to realise that um, intellectually, and, and even longer, I think, to realise it academically. You know, I, I, I grew up, uh, um, uh, as your very generous introduction uh, pointed out, uh, uh, across the 1970s, and for, for anybody uh, with any kind of interest in, in popular culture in the 1970s, um, horror was, was, was everywhere. Um, I, I, I did grow up watching Doctor Who. I also grew up watching um, a whole series of often really quite scary uh, uh, um, TV programs for for children and for adults. I mean, for children, I remember things like Children of the Stones, uh, which which came out in the in the in the mid to late seventies, which, which was set around a stone circle in Avebury in Wiltshire, and was the most terrifying thing I remember seeing, uh, you know, at the time. Uh, and uh, then, you know, for adults, there, there, there were all kinds of things, series like with titles like Supernatural and Thriller and later on things like Tales of the Unexpected or Hammer House of Horror. Um, uh, so the BBC most particularly, but, but I think British television in general, um, I was quite comfortable with the idea um, that television could be, could be frightening, it could be quite confrontational, and the ch- television for children could be quite frightening and confrontational. And this, this was understood, I think, to be a, a normal part of, 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 of growing up. Um, the the BBC at Christmas time showed all across the nineteen seventies showed a series of ghost stories for Christmas. Um, they, they, they 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 revived this um, uh, in the twenty first century, um, but the original ones were <coughs> largely not not entirely but largely um, the the ghost stories of M R James. I didn't know that at the time, but I, I remember vividly uh, uh, watching these. Um, also. The BBC on a on a on a Saturday night used to show a horror double bill, 
um, uh, which would start off with, it's on BBC Two, it would start off with a, something old and creaky, a sort of universal Dracula or Frankenstein from the 30s or 40s, and then something newer and racier, slightly racier, later on a Hammer film or something like that. Uh, uh, so like a lot of people of my generation, I, I also grew up watching, watching, watching these things, and I think it's a wonderful piece of public service broadcasting mm. uh, on, on the part of the BBC to, 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 to have done that. Um, so I, 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 I grew up but I didn't know it at the time, but I grew up immersed in this kind of culture of, 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 of scary television and film. Yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I, I suppose that doesn't seem to happen today because television is much more niche than it used to be. I mean, another genre, I suppose, thinking about it, science fiction. Mm. Like Logan's Run, all these programs, yeah. Doctor Who, obviously. Blake kind of Seven, Blake many Seven. others, yes. Uh, they were they were almost foisted upon a public yeah. who mm. couldn't go anywhere else mm. if they wanted to, mm. and and I think nowadays, as far as I know, these mm. shows don't there are no obvious successes really. Mm. Uh, Doctor Who is kind of almost tired at this mm. stage, just reinventing itself. But but there are very few science fiction films, even though we've we've got space stations mm. and rockets going off to the moon. It's um, I think they didn't have to worry the the controllers of TV networks in the past that people would just switch it off whereas now they do have to worry so in a way our childhood was a time where you were force-fed lots of different genres I think that, that 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 yeah. really is the key point here Tom uh, th th that it's not th that there isn't probably more science fiction or horror uh, television film than there ever was but you, you have to go looking for it you have to make an effort to, 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 to find it Whereas it was simply the case that that, that was mm. what was on, and it was often quite, it was quite grotty, uh, and part of its appeal was its grottiness, uh, but also quite confrontational. You know, one of the things looking back on on homegrown um, sci-fi like like Blake Seven or like uh, Doctor Who from the seventies is just how violent it yes. was. There was a very high body count in these things, and and again that was simply understood and accepted. Yeah, I suppose whether it's Star Trek or Westerns, mm. it's quite shocking mm. when you watch them mm. today, just yeah. how many people get yeah. killed. Well, Daryl, tell us about your book, uh, Sleeping With The Lights On, which was published by Oxford University Press, I think, back at Halloween. Yeah. Very handsome book, very attractive book, about 180 pages, mm. very accessible yeah. to, to the reader. I mean, you're, you're really attempting to transmit mm. your enthusiasm mm. here, I think, and, and actually, it should be said, it got very good reviews in, in many yeah. newspapers in many countries. But what is the... What's the central thesis? Uh, okay, the central thesis is that uh, there are many people out there who claim that they, honestly claim that they don't like horror, they don't understand it, it's, it's not for them, um, that, it, that it's something alien and scary to them, and that consequently uh, a, a, a taste for horror signals you out as being in some way weird. Um, that there, there, there might even be something wrong with a taste for <laughs> horror, or, or even something unhealthy, something sort of sick, that it's a symptom of an unhealthy mind, um, uh, and thus that we should be very wary of it. So, and, and those of us who are interested in horror often come up against these arguments. So it was partly written to counter these kinds of arguments. And so the central thesis is that horror is absolutely central to any idea of civilization that we have from the very beginnings of civilization. The, some of the earliest documents of civilization uh, that we have, and I'm thinking about Greek tragedies, 
for example, um, uh, are, are astonishingly violent and horrifying. One of the places that, that the book starts is with, well, first of all, uh, 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 a list of what you might think of as gratuitously violent images uh, that turn out to be from canonical works of, of, of literature, not from places that should be banned mm. or censored. Um, and, and then go what do you think of here, Homer or Shakespeare, Titus I'm Andronicus? I'm certainly thinking of Shakespeare. Yeah. I'm thinking of Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus. Um, I'm thinking of, of I'm thinking of Greek tragedy. Mm. I'm also thinking of of of, of, of some some uh, sort sort of lurid and gory imagery in the works of Joyce. For example, um, and then in the works of okay, people who are avowedly writers of, of horror like Edgar Allan Poe, but nevertheless in, in a kind of respectable way. But I'm really thinking of, of the whole tradition of tragedy that comes down to us from ancient Greek, Greece and through Shakespeare. And um, uh, you know, one of the places I start is with the works of Euripides and Euripides and Bacchae, which is one of the foundational works of Western literature, which sets the bar extraordinarily high for violence and mayhem and gore. It's, it's, it, it's a work which ends with the protagonist, Pentheus, being torn limb from limb um, uh, by his own mother, um, in fact, in a Dionysiac <laughs> frenzy. Yeah, there are things going on here. In a Dionysiac frenzy, uh, um, uh, and his mother then parades around the stage with his head upon a stick. Um, so you think that kind of life is a bit sanitized now and that this is when you say it's central to our understanding mm. is it that that life is sanitized now and, and that we need horror to to kind of appreciate the darkness that lurks within all of us or is it is it something else I'm I don't think life is necessarily sanitized um, but but I but I do think that that one of the things that one of the questions uh, uh, that culture has always faced and these are the questions that horror asks are something like, you know, what is the social function of violence? Um, uh, what are representations of violence for? Are representations of violence themsem themselves acts of violence? Or do they, as Aristotelian uh, um, um, dramatic criticism would suggest, uh, do they form a, perform a cathartic function? Does, does our experience of witnessing these acts of violence purge us of these emotions of pity and uh, through spectacles of pity and terror, purge us of these these negative emotions and leave us psychologically healthier. These, I think, these these, these mm. are real questions that people need to need to wrestle with. So, so my my suggestion and my belief, in fact, is that horror is not doing anything um, that all art does not and has not always done. And, and that it consequently asks and asks of us very, very serious questions. As I said, what is the social function of violence? Um, what happens to your soul after death? Uh, what is the role of evil in a world supposedly governed by divine grace? These are, these are questions that we expect uh, in, in, in a work like Paradise Lost, uh, for example, uh, but not necessarily uh, in a work like Zombie Flesh Eaters. Yes, but so Zombie Flesh Eaters is really a theological tract, is it? It's not, no, <laughs> no, it's not a theological tract, but it's a, but it's but it's a work which raises issues that we and we should take seriously. So, is that what you would say to people who 
kind of dismiss horror as a kind of sensationalist trash that that it's that it deals with serious themes. Yeah, that's that. That, that would that would that be that the first place that I would start. Mm. And that, so we need to we need to think of it as uh, as as an art form, and then we need to ask well, what's it doing as an art form. And my feeling is that when it works well, at least that horror is a form of avant-garde art. And what avant-garde art does in all cases is it brings us face to face with the limitations of our own tolerance, including our own tolerance for what is art. Mm. You know, one of the very frequent responses to, 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 to any, any kind of avant-garde art, avant-garde painting uh, or performances, you know, that's not art, yes. that's rubbish. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and so one of the questions that we, we find ourselves asking when we experience the avant-garde, and one of the, one of the things that avant-garde artists um, um, uh, sort of bring to their audience is, well, how much of this can you really take? What, what's the limits here? What are your limits? How far beyond those limits can we go? And we experience those, and when we hit these limits, we often respond with rage, we respond with fear, we respond with frustration. One of the points that, that again, that, that, that I make is, is that, um, you know, anybody who has any experience of, 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 of teaching or oh, hardcore modernism, like Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, will have encountered these same responses in their students, these kinds of frustration and anger uh, and, 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 and confusion as to what am I experiencing here? Tell me, something I took from your book is that the appetite for horror may be permanent, yeah. but the types of horror, the types mm. of fear we have seem to change with the, with the ages. Yeah. Um, you know, events like, I think, events like September 11th mm. may have actually yeah. kind of affected the kind of horror we, we like, for want of a better word, mm. or we, we, we consume. Can you expand on that a bit? You know, how is how is our appetite for different types of horror changed over the years? I'm convinced that this is this is the one of the ways, at least, the popular culture more generally works um, as a uh, as as a cultural response to events, often in a way that's that's inchoate, that's not thought through, but as a as 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 a kind of immediate response uh, to, to 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 events, and and so you 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 often see the kinds of, particularly in horror, the kinds of anxieties and fears uh, 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 that, that are thrown up by a particular historical moment or event um, uh, uh, returning in displaced form in, 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 works, of, in works of horror um, or in works of popular culture. More generally, you, men you, you mentioned 9-11, one of the things that followed in the wake of, 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 of 9-11 was a, was, a, was a whole... Uh, a sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? A kind of uh, wave of, of counter-terrorist popular entertainment, um, uh, uh, much of which was concerned with the the normalisation of torture. Um, uh, uh, a TV series like Twenty Four uh, very much did that did that work, uh, and questions about what is legitimate in the protection of democracy are, are questions that, 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 that are raised here. And the, 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 there's, a, there's a, a, a very, very difficult and confrontational strain of horror that's sometimes referred to as torture porn uh, that, 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 that really uh, focuses on the spectacle of the human body um, uh, um, being um, in pain. Um, um, so current horror fascination is, is, is in a way a, a public discussion on, on the, the limits of torture, kind of a, an answer, a, 
kind of thinking about George Bush's use of torture. Yeah. Tell me, how did that work in the Cold War? Because it's easy in retrospect to mm. see how science fiction Indeed. is a way of talking about mm. the Soviet Union versus yeah. the United States yeah. and USS Enterprise, all that kind of thing. Mm. I know less about horror. I, mm. is, was the Cold War, was that also worked out in the kind of in the horror genre? Uh, it, it, it certainly was. And, and sometimes you know, horror and science fiction um, uh, um, sometimes bleed into one mm. another here. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, nuclear fears and anxieties uh, um, uh, uh, turn up very frequently. And I think. What, zombies kind of yeah, full of radiation? Irradiated monsters of various kinds, gigantic Godzilla monsters laying waste to cities. I mean, I, I guess, it, you know, if you're an inhabitant, inhabitant of, of, um, of, of Japan in the 1950s, um, you know, the bomb. Is is too close to look it in the eye, you know, uh, and yet it's 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 an issue that you have to deal with. Uh, hence Godzilla, you know, this gigantic, irradiated uh, uh, lizard monster that lays waste, fire-breathing monster that lays waste to Japanese cities. You know, it doesn't take an advanced degree in literary hermeneutics to work out what's going on there. You know, so again, the, 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 these kinds of of, of displaced. Uh, anxieties are, are, are ones that, 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 that horror um, um, very frequently deals with, I think. So I mentioned in the introduction that uh, you have pretty much the completed works of Stephen King on your shelves, and uh, you're a fan, but it may, it may surprise people to, to know that you're not a fan of all horror, and, mm. and in fact you, you kind of seem to dislike uh, certain genres, uh, or certain elements of it, like Twilight, for mm. instance, which you see as think pointless, rebarbative. Why do you dislike Twilight so much? Uh, I think this is a moment where I, I have to acknowledge my own limitations and acknowledge that, that it's not it's not for me uh, and that I am not, you know, I'm a middle-aged man, I'm not the audience uh, uh, for, for, for Twilight, but I'm concerned. What I'm concerned about is the way in which um, uh, uh, this is... Uh, the, 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 the twilight and quite a lot of post-millennial horror in fact is um, totally complicit in its own marketization that's really what it's about what does that mean in English? Um, uh, totally complicit it's in its own marketization it's about making money you know and it's about the advertising of itself you know uh, uh, so in other words that the uh, the, 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 those kinds of difficult and uneasy questions that, that, that horror um, uh, is, is, is used to asking, I suggest, uh, are here completely subsumed within you know, an, an overarching idea that, that, that what this is really about is, 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 is marketization and money and capital. So you like horror when it challenges taboos, when it challenges... Very much like, so, And you, yes. you, you feel that quite a lot of this this mm. kind of horror, and presumably all through the ages has been a kind of yep. a kind of substandard horror, let's yeah, call it, yeah. doesn't do that. Yeah. It doesn't perform its main function, which is to ask us about ourselves, which is, of course, the function yeah. of art. That's my strong day. feeling yeah. about this, yeah. yeah. That, that, that um, um, I like, uh, yes, I do like uh, a horror which challenges taboos, which, 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 which confronts us. And so I, I kind of like it as a form of outsider art. Mm. I like things mm. that are... I like films that are made far from the mainstream. I like things that are grotty. 
I like things that are transgressive, um, you know, that are ugly. There is a politics of, 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 of ugliness, you know, and, and, and part of my problem with, 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 with Twilight is just everyone's just too damn good looking, and the whole thing is too damn good looking. Uh, you know, I, I, I want things that, have, that are more cross-grained, that are more spiky. We're sitting in, in Trinity College Dublin, which is where Bram Stoker studied, and, and then he went on not so long after he left to, to write Dracula, mm -hmm. which was published in, I think, 1897, was yeah. it? And, and, and in your, uh, which is incidentally the same year that The War of the Worlds was published. Mm -hmm. So two, two mm -hmm. great kind of books. You, you, you call Dracula the, the seminal horror book. Yeah. In what way is it the seminal horror book? Uh, beyond the obvious that it's been copied a, a thousand times and launched a thousand films from Hollywood? Well, um, th that's obvious, but, but, but nonetheless more, uh, nonetheless true for it, 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 its, its obviousness, uh, that, that it's, it, it's the book more than almost any other, or more than any other, that, uh, uh, that, that, that launches the cinematic tradition of horror. And certainly in the 20th century, I think horror belongs in the cinema more than it belongs anywhere else. So that's that's the first thing to say about it. Um, the second thing to say is that the Dracula is not is certainly not uh, 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 the first um, or the most original uh, uh, vampire novel, uh, but it is by far the best novel and by far the most influential. And part of what what it succeeds in doing, in fact, is um, uh, uh, bringing together a, a whole bunch of, of often quite disparate uh, uh, narratives and works of vampire folklore that, that, that are current across the 19th century um, and sort of so there's a kind of compendium element uh, uh, to Dracula uh, but but it it there's a debate about Bram Stoker whether he was a great one-shot novelist <laughs> um, or, or whether he was whether he was a good writer at all um, or whether the rest of his works are simply unfairly uh, neglected because because he did create this this this, this, this one book uh, but it nevertheless remains the fact that, that in the creation of Dracula of Count Dracula uh, um, uh, he uh, um, hit upon uh, this uh, 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 monumental uh, sort of figure for horror uh, that with which we continue to wrestle now vampires um, are very useful ways of telling things about ourselves. I've long thought this that 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 you know there's a good reason why vampires don't cast reflections in mirrors because what we actually see is ourselves looking back at us in in mutated or grotesque forms. But nevertheless, that's what that's what's looking back at us. Um, uh, and and so vampires. Uh, because they cannot easily or straightforwardly be killed, they can always be brought back to life. Um, uh, keep changing, keep mutating uh, to tell us things uh, about ourselves. Um, uh, so Stephen King is very um, uh, uh, clear that uh, in writing Salem's Lot uh, in the middle 1970s, I think he came out in 75, um, uh, he's writing this very much in the uh, in the shadow of Vietnam and Watergate. It's it, that, that it's a novel about the American nineteen seventies. Right. Uh, and one of the interesting things about about that book is that uh, you know a pair of 
sort of aristocratic European vampires, Mr. Barlow and Mr. Straker, come to this um, uh, New England town uh, and set up an antique shop, um, but infest um, uh, uh, the population of the town, infect the population of the town with, 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 with vampirism. And while Barlow, the chief vampire, is killed, uh, the, the this new breed of sort of democratic and demotic American vampires who are not aristocratic, you know, uh, who are not uh, who are not brilliant chess players and polylinguists, uh, um, you know, uh, who are not men of culture and wealth and taste, uh, but are regular ordinary Joes uh, who formerly liked hamburgers and hot dogs but now like blood, you know. Um, uh, that this is the, this is a distinctively new and modern version of. Of, of vampirism. At the same time, uh, you know, Anne Rice was published Interview with the Vampire, uh, which presented vampirism as a kind of desirable alternative, to, you know, to 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 to, um, <laughs> to being a human being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, that that we uh, ra rather than rather than fearing and wanting to destroy vampires as we did with Dracula. Uh, we admire them, we aspire to being them, they're better than us, they're better looking than us. Uh, and this is where we end up with, 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 with um, uh, Twilight as well. And again, one of the reasons that I'm, 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 I'm anxious about, uh, about this, because we know what, does, what does this tell us, that, that, that we, um, uh, we are somehow meant to uh, admire that which preys upon us. Now, this is one of those crude questions that, that People hate being asked, but I'm going to ask it. Do you have Do you have a favourite book yourself? Do you have a a book that for you kind of sums up the genre? I have a few. Um, I, I guess I have a favourite writer. Mm. And who's um, that? Uh, that would be M. R. James, the right. great ghost story writer. Um, I, I I I'm drawn to. I think you've edited. I have edited the books edited by Mark James. So yeah. you're pretty familiar with them. I yeah. am pretty familiar, and I'm currently writing a biography of, yes. of James, so I, I, I know yep. his work you quite like well. Him. Yes, uh, and so, so this is a kind of uh, austere, intellectual, uh, very scholarly um, uh, type of, of horror um, uh, that uh, is... And, and he, was, he himself was a, was, a, was a Cambridge professor who, who wrote his works as, well, it's kind of entertainment for his colleagues and his students. He would read them at Christmas, on Christmas Eve, um, uh, and they're very much byproducts of his own scholarship. It's actually, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, thinking back then when he was writing, you also had people like Oscar Wilde yeah. writing kind of, yeah. you know, horror stories, story Most great. Yeah. I'm not sure there are many um, scholars from Cambridge actually writing uh, horror novels today, uh, or famous playwrights, you know, mm. perhaps uh, perhaps it was a slightly more respectable or mainstream um, occupation back I then. Think it, I think it was. Mm. Uh, and um, uh, one of the things that, 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 that I think happened across the 20th century w w was a, um, a splitting, a bifurcation and a, and a hierarchy of different kinds of culture. Mm. And I'll give you a very striking example of that. Um, uh, uh, at the same time, in fact, Henry James uh, was was writing, uh, you know, these very um, uh, sort of cultured and sophisticated uh, novels, often of European and American social encounters, like 
Bordering Lady or the Ambassadors, and others like the Bostonians, you know, um, while at the same time he wrote very, very influential ghost stories, most notably mm. The Turn of the Screw. And I don't think he saw any contradiction mm. between these two kinds of kinds of writing, um, uh, you know. Um, uh, so coming back to your yeah. favourites, because okay. I interrupted you. So there's M.R. James, who is very much a writer of a kind of... What about a 20th century or, or more modern Okay, uh, um, I, I'll, go, I'll go for a couple. Um, uh, one is um, Angela Carter, um, uh, who is certainly a writer of horror fiction, uh, and her uh, collection Bloody Chamber, uh, which, which is... Um, you know, a collection of reimagined fairy stories, uh, reimagined uh, in the wake of oh, um, uh, the concerns of nineteen seventies feminism. I guess okay. uh, is 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 a magnificent collection. Um, uh, so I would go for Angela Carter, but she's she's kind of respectable. Okay. okay, give us an unrespectable. So I'll give you an unrespectable. Whatever the, the opposite of respectable is. But anyway, give us yeah, one of those. All right. um, James Herbert's The Rats. James Herbert's The I Rats. Bought, uh, my, I bought a copy of The Rats in 1978 in Woolworths in Pontypridd in South Wales, and it changed my life. It changed my life because it was the first grown-up book I think I ever bought or, or read. Um, so so that it had all kinds of things. That, first of all, it, has an, it had in its... In it, it, its early printings, an extraordinarily lurid cover of a, of a gigantic rat, and it's a novel about uh, uh, rats over uh, rats overwhelming London. So it's kind of an apocalyptic novel, very much product of the nineteen seventies. So it has interesting, if unpleasant, things to say about about race in the in, in, in the London of the nineteen seventies, for example. Um, uh, so so, but it's, I mean, Hubert is a pulp. But a really good, full-blooded pop writer, and 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 one of the things that, that that I like best about the rats is that this is a novel which has absolutely no desire to be loved, you know, absolutely no desire for respectability. It's a kind of two fingers uh, to, to to respectable culture. So I, I I admire it for its unpleasant, full-blooded energy. Um, uh, although not for its politics or its sexual politics, I should say. Um, so I think that's... Yeah, the, so the, they're the your favourites. Yeah. Now, slightly different question, last question really. Uh, what would you recommend to people who've been curious, you know, after listening to you, who, who might want to kind of dip their toe in? Because uh, that's a slightly different thing. You, yeah. you, 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 like all experts, presumably have kind of esoteric tastes at one level. But say I, I, I wanted to, uh, I wouldn't even know where to go in the bookshop to, mm. to, to find the horror section. But, but if I wanted to, and here's another question, if I wanted to introduce my kids to it, because I, I like this idea of Doctor yeah. Who. I, I think yeah. it's true. I think, uh, uh, you know, sitting in Dublin, I can remember hiding behind the, the sofa oh and yes. having the wit scared out of me. Same and I'm not yes, sure yeah. that, that, that my kids are scared mm. enough mm. on a day to They're certainly not scared of me. And... You know what? What can I do to to give them a bit of a fright? What should they read? Kind of a fourteen-year-old, let's say. And what should I read as uh, hmm. as an adult? Okay, um, I'll start with what you should read as an adult. Hmm. And, and one of the one of the best ways into this, I think, is to to think about contemporary writers. You know, who would I recommend? What would I recommend that's out now? So r rather than you know delving back into the uh, the, the, the the literary past. 
uh, the scariest book that I've read um, uh, this century um, is a novel by Michel Paver. Uh, called How do you spell Dark that? Paver. P-A-V-E-R. Okay. Called Dark Matter. Um, it's set in Svalbard, um, in the uh, in, in in the far high Arctic, uh, and it's a ghost story. Um, but it's uh, and in some ways it's a very old fashioned ghost story, and it's testimony to the fact that you know there's a long debate about you know what's more effective, what's more scary, less or more. Less is the answer to that, uh, and, and, and this is really testimony to that. That, that the more that is all about atmosphere, it's all about withholding information. You know, it's all about the creation of a, of, of a sort of uncanny reading experience. So that would be my answer to to, to where to start. Mm, great. Start yeah. now or start yeah. in, in in this decade, uh, at least. Uh, as for kids, well, if if you've got a fourteen year old. Um, uh, now is the, s- the time to start uh, in, in introducing yourself to the world of, of, of adult uh, mm. or writing for adults mm. Mm. Uh, uh, rather I think um, so one place I think to, 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 to start would be uh, with you know classic um, uh, uh, post-war horror um, a novel like Richard Matheson's I Am Legend uh, uh, which has been filmed several times. In fact, it was filmed in the 1970s as The Omega Man with Charlton Heston. It was filmed uh, more recently with Will Smith. Um, uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a classic last man okay. narrative. You know, uh, uh, um, our, our, our hero is the, the last human being in, 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 in a world of vampires. Um, so I would, I would go there. Great. Darren Jones, thank you very much indeed. It's been a great pleasure.